all you IT listeners out there, I just wanted to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor. We've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to our loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rates. Awesome! Let's start the show. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, girlfriendit. Here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. Well, hello. Are you calling me a liar? Well, you probably are right. In fact, research indicates that people from 18 to 44 years of age tell as many as five lies a day. Yikes! Is lying becoming the norm? Well, let's step into a discussion with Samuel T. Logan, or should I say Dr. Samuel Logan. He's been an international director of the World Reformed Fellowship since 2005. He served at Westminster Theological Seminary and is now an advisor to the president at Westminster. He's currently a minister of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and he just recently published a book called The Good Name, The Power of Words to Hurt or Heal. So welcome, Dr. Logan. How are you today? Just fine. Thank you very much for having me on the program. Yes, we're excited to have you. Okay, I just want to dive right in. Um, well, well, first of all, I have to say, we were talking earlier before the show that uh, it just dropped 30 degrees where you, and you're in Pennsylvania, correct? Just outside Philadelphia, yes. Philadelphia, oh, wow. So what's the temperature? Well, it got down into the low 40s last night and going to be even lower tonight. Oh, wow, wow. That's just so um, unique for us here in Arizona when we're, we're still in summer. So we just pretend and we drink pumpkin spice lattes and fun fall drinks, but it's not really fall here yet. <laughs> well, you can always go up to the north rim of the Grand Canyon where it's always cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Not always cool, but it's it's cooler there right now. Yeah, it's it's yeah. probably in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I leave to go to Indiana next week, so I'm gonna get a oh, little taste. Oh wow! Yes. Taste of some chill. Yeah. Well, Doctor Logan, you have written this book, The Good Name, and you are very honest, very transparent with some things that have taken place in your life. And it, it's truly an amazing story. And I just want to thank you for um, just answering God's calling for you to write this book and to be so honest in what took place in your life. So will you kind of unpack your story for us? Uh, I'll try to do it briefly. You stop me if I go on too long. Um at the time that the incident I'm about to describe uh, occurred, uh, we were expanding uh, the seminary programs 
to various other places around the country. Uh, this was when I was working at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, we had committed a certain amount of money to make that happen. Uh, the person to whom we had committed it uh, overcommitted himself to that uh, project. And I was then asked in a faculty meeting, how did the uh, amount get increased so much? I froze, quite frankly. Um, I didn't know how to answer the question without call, uh, m making some bad remarks about this individual who had promised to get or give the money himself. So I said, I don't know. And uh, that was wrong. I did know. Um, and as a result of that lie, I ended up losing my job. So that led me into a fairly rigorous four-year-long process of trying to understand all that is meant by that uh, Ninth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And um, the results of that study are what has been produced in this book. Wow. Okay, I have to back you up because I am into the details because I feel like so many times, like what you what happened there when you like you said, you didn't want to throw somebody under the bus. So you immediately go into that default mode of I don't know. Then what happened from that point? Like, how did this all get unveiled that you had lied that you that you did know? What were the next well, stops? There, the statement that I made was made in the faculty meeting. Some faculty members reported it to the Board of Trustees. Uh, the Board of Trustees called me in, interviewed me, I explained it, and in the end they uh, decided that, uh, well, they said that uh, you have violated the Ninth Commandment. Um, we're going to put you on administrative leave for four months, but in the middle of that leave it became clear that I would not be allowed to return to the presidency. Um, and uh, so that ended my, um, my tenure as president of Westminster. Wow. But see, and, there are, there are other, other factors here that um, lead me to say that my study caused me to realize that, in fact, I had broken the Ninth Commandment many times and uh, in more egregious ways than was identified by our board. I, um, we were a very, we were, they are, a uh, very conservative seminary, very evangelical, and I realized how often I had um, spoken harshly about our competitor seminaries, uh, primarily to build up our work, to um, attract students. I very frequently used the word liberal to describe other seminaries that disagreed with us on certain points. And um, I came to realize that that was, that was sin. I was mm. defaming the good name of other evangelical seminaries when I did that. So I, um, it, it really caused me to realize the, the vast extent of what Scripture requires of us in the words we use. Hmm. Well, at the point where they came to you, the board comes to you and, and, and lets you know you're going to lose your job, 
over this. Were you, I mean, you, you talk about reflecting and, and realizing, okay, wait, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, often, uh, just by how I'm thinking and saying it out loud about, like you said, your, your competitor. Yeah. Were you still in a place of denial and being defensive or were you at a point where you could say, yeah, I understand why why you are doing this and, and why I'm losing my job? I said I said the latter. I did. I did realize it um, in the meeting at which I was first confronted. I confessed my sin. I used the word. Um, however, I think one of the things that I also learned is that um, when we use words in a way that's contrary to Scripture over and over again, that builds up an, an attitude, an atmosphere, and um, it's that atmosphere and attitude that is most destructive. So I think in the end, it was probably good uh, for the school to get rid of me. Um, it, 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 took, it was a painful process and continues to be painful because I continue to, particularly in our political environment now, you, you want to say so-and-so is bad. And uh, you just have to be very, very careful in terms of all that the scriptures say about the power of human words. Mm, mm. Uh, I, I grew up where my mom would say uh, words are either going to suck the life out of people or breathe in to others. And it's it's our ch- choice. And you're, you're so right. I, I think of just how easy it is, especially at, like you said said politically it we, we can just slam others and it's getting even more so now because of social media that we can throw it out because we're just staring at a computer screen rather that than looking at the individual so it's easy just to throw people under the bus without even realizing the damage that we're doing with our words Absolutely. A recent cover of Time magazine um, said something like uh, why we are losing the Internet to a world of hate. And uh, what you said is exactly right. I, I, in, in this little book, I talk a fair amount about uh, social media and the ways in which social media can destroy reputations and people. Um, it's it's amazing. Uh, social media is, is fantastic in some ways. I learned some wonderful new things this morning on Facebook about a, a new seminary being started in Atlanta. Um, so it's wonderful in some ways, but the very power that makes it wonderful makes it terrible if the words are inappropriate and wrong. Mm. And so true. It- this morning, my daughter actually sent me a Facebook message uh, talking about, and I don't know the case, but the, the police woman who went into the wrong apartment yes. and shot. Yes, I saw that. And, yeah, did you see where he, the 18-year-old brother is looking at the police officer who killed his brother and said, can I hug you and I forgive you? And you go, okay, I just pray that this goes viral because talk about you know, Jesus with skin on for him to be able to, to look at this person and, and go, I just want to hug you. And Absolutely. so on one, one part, those words are beautiful and social media can, you know, do amazing things. But on the other hand, 
all the crazy things that are being said about this woman. And, it, you know, we weren't there. We don't know the, the full story. No, no, and we don't. We don't even know her, but we're ready to just throw her under the bus and her, her life is, is ruined. Well, and so was, was the gentleman who yes. she shot. Yes, absolutely. So, um, my, one of my points in the book is that, um, is that according to my understanding of Scripture, we are required to confront sin. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Diane Langberg, who works with sexually abused people, said that uh, if you see sin or you hear of sin and you don't confront it, you become complicit in that sin. The question is not do you or do you not confront sin, it's how do you confront it. And my basic point in the book is that we must not sin when we are confronting sin. There are ways of dealing with what the woman police officer did. There are ways of dealing with those that um, commit sexual abuse that do not violate Scripture. And one, one principle that I would like to suggest is that you focus on specific words or specific actions and that you do not make any moral um, or, or religious judgments about the person who spoke those words or performed those actions. We don't know um, the, the heart. Uh, like, like the young man that you just cited, um, he, we, we, he didn't know the real heart of the policewoman, but he, uh, he certainly demonstrated the kind of grace that Christ has demonstrated for us. And somehow, though it's harder, it, it's, it takes more time, more effort, somehow we've got to do that even, maybe especially, when we confront sin. Mm. So uh, unpack that a little bit more on because we we have in the church we've become so judgmental and some sin is is more overt so we have a tendency to you know definitely highlight that and criticize and condemn so talk a little bit more what you mean by that Sure um one of the fascinating things that I came across as I was preparing the book um, was a blog by an individual who suggested that um, uh, we Christians ought to go to Google and just Google the following words. Why are Christians so? And see how Google fills in the blank. The algorithm that Google uses is it just fills in the blank with the most common ways that other users have filled in the blank. So the most common ways in which Google gets that question is this. Why are Christians so judgmental? Mm. Second, why are Christians so nasty? Why are Christians so unloving? Um, that That's a... That's a horrible situation because Christians bear the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. And if that's what's thought of Christians, then it's really being said of our Savior. Mm -hmm. um, let me uh, give, give uh, one example from um, a discussion I saw on television, um, social media again, 
a good friend of mine, um, evangelical uh, pastor, was um, asked to speak at Columbia University on um, the subject of homosexuality. And uh, his audience was very um, opposed to his very conservative position. And um, one of the questions he was asked was, um, do you think a homosexual is going to hell? And he smiled and said, well, you know, um, I don't think I'm going to heaven because I'm a heterosexual. But what he's doing is he's redirecting the question, what, what really are the grounds of salvation? And he's redirecting it away from making our judgments about the ultimate spiritual estate of other people. We don't know. We, we do know from Scripture what, what sexual behaviors uh, are sinful, frankly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can address that. We must address that. We do address that. Um, we, we don't know the ultimate uh, uh, state of the individual who is committing what we think are sins. And in fact, um, if, if we read carefully through Scripture... The um, things that Jesus himself and the entirety of the Bible um, discusses far more often than it does any sexual matters are things like concern for the poor and um, greed and selfishness. Um, You think of Matthew uh, chapter 25. How do we tell the difference between those that go in the one way and goes in the other way? It's, did you visit the, the poor in prison? Um, so, so we need to be very, very careful that we reflect the entirety of Scripture when we condemn even an action, and we must never assume that we have God's knowledge about the eternal state of any individual. I, I, uh, I talk a fair amount in the book about um, the danger of labels, um, and, and you'll, you'll know, your, your listeners will know how difficult um, the discussions have been about the label evangelical. Well, in, in a significant way, any use of labels is an unnecessary shortcut. Um, and, and it's a shortcut that I took. I, I mentioned it earlier. I, I wanted to put down other seminaries. So I would say, oh, they're liberal. That, that's not fair. That's not truth-telling. Uh, la- labels, <laughs> I like to say this, labels likely lie. Don't use labels. Talk about specific behaviors, specific positions, um, and, and don't make uh, comments about the moral standing of the person who may or may not hold those positions. Sorry, I'm going on too long. That is not. No, you're not at all. I, I was focusing on the labels likely lie. <laughs> That's yeah. Such a good point. And and we do. I I know. I, I was just. I'm kind of uh, hopping conversations here. But when you say labels likely lie, I was making a comment about a car sales 
And my my husband bought a, a razor, which isn't a, a car, but uh, yeah. how you immediately just assume that you're they're going to lie to you, and yeah. we we label that, you know, oh, yes, it's a yes, we do, car. we do, and uh, like the um, like the example I gave you from Google, the watching world is labeling Christians as nasty and judgmental. Now, they're wrong to do that. Absolutely wrong. There's some things that some Christians say that are wrong. Mm -hmm. Focus on what they say. There's some things that we Christians do that are wrong, like I did. Focus on what we did or what, what they say, what we say. And don't make um, major moral judgments about their eternal state. Just don't mm-hmm. do it. Well, you wonder, I know we change the culture by changing conversations. And you wonder how we can start changing the conversations uh, so we don't become so jaded by, by lying. And I, and I know especially pervasive of of lying, especially yes. in advertising, politics, that we generally expect it, and we actually consider it n- normal it, that they are lying to us. Yeah. And and you know, right now I'm generalizing too. I'm putting a label on it. And how do we get away from that where we can? start being, you know, honest and truthful. I know I, I did the research before our, our show today, and it's it's showing that most people are lying five times a day, and we consider that just to be normal. So is there ever a time through some of your research that it's okay to lie? Like I immediately go into, you know, the era of Hitler and you're hiding Jews in your home where you go, okay, wait, that needs to be a little bit of time, you know, where you, you, you get some grace there, but is there ever a time should you, you just always be honest, even if it's going to hurt somebody? Boy, is that a good question. And of course there are examples in the Bible, Rahab in, uh, in the old Testament. And, um, I remember my, my seminary training, those, those, issues are extremely difficult, and I don't have any easy answer. What I would suggest is that we try to avoid using extreme examples to set the overall uh, tone of how we respond to life. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a sense, my original lie involved trying to protect a, a donor to the seminary. Uh, he, on his own initiative, said, we need to put more money into this, and I will put it in personally. And uh, I could have thrown him under the bus by just naming him, and then he'd have gotten in a lot of trouble. Um, I, I think that um, in my particular case, there were several other better answers that I could have given that would have both protected him and not, um, and not lied. And in most situations, that's going to happen. It's not always going to happen. I I, I don't have a nice, steadfast rule that that says why we can sometimes behave like Rahab or like the people who hid Anne Frank. I I, I don't have a good, clear principle like that. Those occur so seldom Mm -hmm. that we, we ought to just focus on what 
is most often the case. Now, uh, to be sure, most often the answers are complex. Um, sometimes one of one of the board members who was on my side in this said, you, you crazy, Logan, you, you should have just said it's none of your business how that money got done, because in, technically it wasn't. I didn't have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we're often asked questions that we're not required to answer. And mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to say, I'm sorry, I just can't answer that right now. We don't have to explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, the example you gave is even more pressing. <laughs> what, what does the family that Kid and Frank say, well, uh, I'm sure I couldn't do this, but um, here am I, I, take me, Mm -hmm. um, is is a response that, um, well, it's what Jesus said on Calvary, uh, here am I, take me. Mm -hmm. And um, boy, is that hard. Mm -hmm. And that reinforces the extraordinary degree to which Jesus loved us. Mm. When when you and and thank you for that. I, I love the way that you just you know were able to share that answer. When you left Westminster, there were lies told about you. And how did you deal with the, those those falsehoods that that truly? you know, had the potential to damage your good name. Well, and it, it probably did. How did you deal with this? I, I, I'm sorry. I can't give you a good answer. <laughs> Following up on my previous answer, because I haven't completely dealt with it. I'm still dealing with it. My good name, to the degree that there was any goodness left in the name, um, was damaged by that. Um, there were several other people who were part of the process by which the decision was made who have come to me and said, the reason you were given was not the real reason at all. Um, so I, I, I still struggle with that. And in a sense, writing this book was my attempt to handle both the lessons that I learned about Scripture and and my own heart, and to handle the lies that have been told. I did mention one of those lies in the book. And uh, it it doesn't, in in a sense, uh, when the Philadelphia Inquirer says, here's why he was really fired, my mentioning it, all that does is spread it further. But at least it gave me an opportunity to say that if that was true, if what the Philadelphia Inquirer said was true, it certainly wasn't stated to me by the people who had authority over me. And that should at least cause some, um, some rethinking of the, you know, of the entire thing. But, um, no, I, 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 I struggle. I, I, I still do. I, uh, thankfully, the Lord gave me um, not only the book to write, but another organization for which to work, the, uh, the World Reform Fellowship, uh, and um, I, I get to tra- travel the world and see the Lord building his church all over the place. Um, I get to serve the people who are doing that building. So there are ways in which the Lord has in his grace um, given me things to help me heal, but I would be, (laughs) 
I would be lying if I were to say I am healed. I am still healing. Mm-hmm. And I, I must say, I absolutely love your transparency, Dr. Logan. We can all just learn from this of to, to be that honest with this is what took place. <laughs> I'm still dealing with it. I still feel that there were lies told about me and we're all in a place. I, I think when I look at my own hurts where you, you think, okay, I'm just going to give this over to God. You know, he tells us to cast our cares onto him and, and we do that and it should be, you know, bippity boppity boo and wave the wand and it all goes away. But instead we're having to, to wake up in the morning and it's, it's still there. And we're going to take a quick, quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how it's ongoing. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discounts you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of our show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates of over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash patty. Sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout, and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, your overall endurance improves by 15% when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook.
Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. back. We have been uh, talking with Dr. Samuel Logan, who has been the International Director of the World Reformed Fellowship since 2005. He also served as Westminster Theological Seminary and is now an advisor to the president at Westminster. Uh, but currently, Dr. Logan has just finished writing a book, The Good Name, The Power of Words to Hurt or Heal. And we were just talking about the bippity-boppity-boo, how you wave a wand and, and make things go away. But you still have to wake up and address some of that hurt. It's just an ongoing. We can We can give it up, give it over to the Lord, and he's in it with us. But we still, it's not this magical wand that, that makes this hurt go away. And I would imagine, I know when when I have done things where there's hurt, or especially in a situation like yours where somebody has said something about you, or you, you have done something and you're having to confess it, one of the hardest things I feel is addressing it with your family, talking to your kids and even just saying, hey, look, I messed up here. Or, you know, perhaps isn't isn't the way it, it went down and I'm not trying to, de, you know, to be defensive, but this is my side of the story. How did you address it with your, you have two boys, how did you address it with them? Uh, well, first of all, I have a wife uh, and um, addressing it with her was um, not that difficult because by the Lord's provision, she was in the meeting at which the sentence was pronounced on me. So she heard it, um, and we wept together through that night, and uh, she has been just um, an absolute um, uh, rock of support uh, through the um, through the years. I did, uh, both of my sons were grown out of the home uh, in professions of their own, um, and uh, I did talk at length with both of them. They uh, were extraordinarily supportive and uh, gave me very wise professional advice about how to proceed. Um, I, excuse me if, I, if this is inappropriate, but the, um, the, the uh, dedication of the book is to Susan Talbot and Eric, whom the Lord used to fulfill this promise described in Psalm 127.3, and here's the promise. Sons are a precious heritage, a blessing from the Lord. The children that are born to us are truly his reward. Um, And that reflects the way in which I felt and feel uh, supported uh, by my two sons. Um, I obviously sent them both uh, copies of the book. Uh, my older son lives in New York, travels the world, uh, immediately called, and we had a good long conversation. My younger son, even better, <laughs> um, ordered two copies of the book to give to his friends. <laughs> so, uh, so I've been I've been greatly blessed by their willingness to see how deep their father's sin goes, and. Uh, just as impo- more important, how deep the mercy of Christ goes, um, and that's the lesson I want them. 
I want myself and my wife and my children and others to continue to see the the depth of our sin is beyond imagining. Uh, the only thing greater is the depth of the mercy of Christ in deal, dealing with that sin. Mm. It's interesting. There's a there's an emotion, you know, when we when we think of lying, it usually brings in some type of an emotion. And hearing what you did, the emotion is for me to go, okay, I really don't understand. It it wasn't that big of a deal, and it's so even that shows, like you said, you know. as deep as your sin goes, and I and I, I have a tendency to go, okay, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> and that just shows where we are, once again, in America, that we justify so much. And and trust is really, as um, Stephen Covey puts it in his book, In the Seven Habits of a, a Highly Effective Individual, he talks about trust is integrity and competency. Yes. And so, yeah, when we think of, go ahead. I was going to say, and I I think that the particular lie that I told was so destructive to our community because it undermined, undermined the trust that I think I had built up over the, um, over the many years that I'd been president. So I, I'm trying to resonate with that. Anytime mm-hmm. we violate what Scripture says about the way we speak, um, we are inhibiting the trust that those around us have in us. So mm-hmm. it, it is a, a linked uh, problem, definitely. Mm-hmm. And... And yet, like I said, I, I have a tendency to go, okay, um, I, I don't, see, I, I see your side of it and, um, why that, that trust was, was broken. I understand, but I also see what your intentions were while you were sitting there. I, I feel like it wasn't this premeditated lie. And so you have a tendency to go, no, I don't understand why it, um, there's so many layers and so many levels yeah, to, yeah. to the body. But, but that's yeah. but that's a good point too. Uh, it was unintentional, mm-hmm. but just because you don't intend something and you still go ahead and do it, it's it's still wrong, and mm-hmm. you still may suffer horrible consequences from it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm driving along in my car, and I uh, look down at my cell phone to read an email, and I hit and kill a child. Um, that's unintentional, but mm-hmm. boy, the results are forever. And, uh, I think that's, you, you mentioned the situation with the police officer in Dallas. Um, she, I, I believe that she went into the, the wrong apartment by mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, for me, what that's done for me is to tell me, okay, you've got to build up the habit of biblical truth-telling so much that that's what comes through whenever you speak. It, 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 it takes energy, it takes time, it takes work. I'm never going to be there till I get to heaven, but uh, I think the Lord expects me to work on it and work on it and work on it. 
and actually the book is part of my working on it. Um, and um, so, so we, we, we can do things unintentionally that are wrong, and our responsibility is so to soak ourselves in Scripture and so to soak ourselves in the mercy and grace of Christ that the, what, what comes out in moments of stress is grace rather than a lie. It can happen that way. It can. And and that's where, you know, just what you said, soak. And, you know, just saturate yourself in what is true. You know, going back to Philippians 4, 8 through 9, we really do have to have the mindset for it. Yes. Uh, so when we are in those situations, like you said, the grace comes out. It's interesting. Uh, research shows that people's the, the motivations for deceit boils down to four categories, and it's to protect yourself, to promote yourself, to impact others, and I and I feel like that's even more of just promoting your yourself. Yeah, you, yeah. you want to impact what others will say about you. And then just there's like 4% for unclear reasons. You know, e- either you're a, a pathological liar or just, there's just no yeah, reason yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for the lies. And when we really think about it boils down to those four categories, I think identifying it is important to know, okay, this is when I might be lying, um, to then look at your present self and go, where am I doing these things? Where yeah. Where do I Need to be soaking in God's word and and sautéing and like literally saturating myself, so I'm not lying in these situations and and asking God, which is always a little bit. I I get a little nervous when I say that prayer where, where it's like, okay, yeah. God, re- reveal this to me, <laughs> you know, reveal these yeah. areas because I want my future self. I want to grow. I want to be able to sh- show up. And really have Jesus come out of my pores. And and so with that, I, I just want to say, when you wrote this book, what is the one thing that you really wanted the readers to walk away with? And just for our, our listeners right now, what's the one lesson that you would hope that they would gain? I'm going to follow up on what you just said uh, and say that... Um... Um, the, the, the way forward for me and I think for others is primarily to soak ourselves in who Jesus is and what he did for us so that whenever we speak, we are speaking in a way that promotes his good name rather than my good name. Jonathan Edwards said it best. Why do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus in order to get to heaven? Or, well, yeah, we're going to, but the primary reason is we believe in Jesus because he's worthy of it. He deserves it. And and the more we soak ourselves, one of my favorite books is Jim Packer's Knowing God. Just that's all the book is about, how to know God. The more we know God, the more we know Jesus, the more we soak ourselves in who he is and what he's done for us, the more likely it is that what will come out is that which promotes his good name. Mm. And and. 
I, I love that. And I'm going to go get that book, Knowing God. Uh, so that's another great tip. And also, <laughs> we want to read your book. So I know it's on Amazon. It's The Good Name. And tell us, is there other ways that we can... F- Well, uh, the publisher is New Growth Press, a wonderful, wonderful evangelical press, up and coming, growing, uh, and they have it. uh, If you buy it from them, you get a little bit of a discount. uh, But so it's the New Growth Press or Amazon.com. Perfect, perfect. And let's go run and grab this book. I I just love everything that you had to say and just your advice, your tips um, for us there, Dr. Logan. And I also want to go back to where you had mentioned earlier in the show, To in order to confront sin, we must not sin if we are confronting sin. And right. uh, just that, that one principle where you said, Focus on specific words or or actions um, because we don't know the heart. And I I think as Christians, we we need to focus on that. And the way we can focus on that is, like you said, is is soaking in Jesus. Um, But how are we demonstrating grace? Because I don't want people Googling why are Christians so and having Google Fill that in with judgmental and nasty and unloving. And I, I agree. I, I work with um, young college students and so many things that the church is doing. They're saying, oh, I don't agree with that. And really what they're saying is I don't agree with the people that are judging and being nasty and being unloving. They want Jesus. They just don't want some of the people that represent him and and with that what's what's one one tip that you can give us right as we um, are closing our show today i would suggest that each congregation uh and each christian who's a part of the congregation find one issue that's addressed in either isaiah 58 or matthew 25 and make that one of the primary foci of that congregation ministry to the poor, uh, care for um, unwanted children, um, something positive like that. Let that at least one of the main foci of your life and of the church's life be something positive like that. So that when people look at you, look at the church, they see, hmm, they really do care for the poor, or they really do visit in hospitals, or they really do provide for women who choose not to have abortions. And the more that we are seen that way, <laughs> the more I think Google will change. Mm. And and that is so powerful. There, there was a story that just came out um, regarding a guy who has a faith-based a nonprofit organization, and in the search words, he would put in Christian, and he realized that they were deleting that, and he wasn't yes. able to use Christian. Did you see this article? No, I did not, but I understand it completely. I was blown away that that is where we're we're going. And so when he contacted Google and said, I don't understand— this is a faith-based, you know, we are Christians. This is one of the search words that we want to use. And they said, no, we're, we're removing all religious words off of the Google search. But then they put in Muslim, 
and they were able yeah. to yeah. to use that. <laughs> yeah, well, so, confront confront the sin that's involved there. And don't make comments about the Google people. I have a, a friend who, um, a very strong evangelical Christian friend who works for Google in New York. Uh, and I know that he's trying from the inside to change that kind of mindset. Um, I, I think what you've described is sin. We've got to find a way of, of confronting it. Um, and, and it's, it's not going to be easy, but the more we can focus and get the world to see, we have an elder um, in our church who has fostered 18 children. Mm. We have, I have another ministerial friend, an OPC, Orthodox Presbyterian Church minister, who has fostered 28 children. Mm. Somehow, what Christians have done needs to be pushed even more strongly. And maybe that's something your program can do in the future. Focus on uh, some efforts of Christian individuals and churches to do positive things as Jesus commanded in Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. Focus on getting the world to see, and then you, you you stop there. What what were you going to say? Focus on getting the world to see how you are actively, proactively, energetically, financially seeking to obey the commands of Jesus in Matthew twenty five. Uh, pick one of those, uh, visiting in prison or caring for the sick, uh, caring for unwanted babies. Um, there are all kinds of different areas where that kind of positive action is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, going off on a lo- another little tangent here, but we have a couple in our church, a very, very gifted couple, and um, she is a, a school teacher. There is a huge apartment complex next, next to our church, primarily minorities live there. It's low cost. So what she and her husband have done is, um, is they've started a homework club which means that every Thursday night they give three hours of their time, they provide food, they invite all the children of the next-door apartment complex over. Because she's a teacher, she can actually help them with their homework. But the main thing is they just see Christians, Christians who seem to love them, who seems to care for them. And that's making just an enormous difference. I think there are a lot of things like that that are going on. Um, I just think we Christians need to be more aggressive in broadcasting it. Mm. And and that is so true. And I especially like, even as we were sharing the story about Google, is to um, to turn it. You know, we we have a tendency, and maybe it's because we filled our our mind with social media of the negativity, to focus on the negativity <clears throat> rather than turning it and being proactive in seeking to obey the commands that Jesus has has told us to go out there and do. And and I think that's such a great tip, even in the on the political realm, where we want to criticize our leaders. We want to tear them down, talk about the lies that, that they're, you know, spewing rather than doing exactly what you're saying. What would it look like if we were praying for our president, if we were praying for our leaders rather than tearing them down? I mean, if we truly took the, the time that we are saying the negative things about them and just said, you know what, let's just, Grab hands right now and pray 
yes. for our president or pray yes. for our leaders. Uh, yes. What would that look like? I mean, truly, what would that look like? You, you, and, might, have uh, a, uh, you might have a third great awakening on your hands. <laughs> Yes, it, it, it is interesting because it's so subtle. The enemy has made it just so easy and tempting to to follow through in diving into those conversations. And I the other day, my phone, you know how you can look at it and it, it will say, you know, one point five, you know, whatever on your yeah. screen time. And I'm, I'm looking yeah. at it going, I, wait, I have not spent an hour and a half on my phone. <laughs> can't be you know it's it's lying i know it's lying yeah yeah well social media social media can be terrible and it can be wonderful and i do not recommend canceling your social media accounts i I try very haltingly I, i know but very try to to post plenty of things that show what Christians are doing and how the Lord is blessing that all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it, it just, such a subtle thing. You just keep looking at your phone and looking at your yeah. phone and yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. even that to, to focus on how can I be intentional with that 1.5 yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I once again, uh, I I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Logan, for being on our show, for being able to be so transparent. Talk about your story and and what took place and how you dealt with it and how you were so honest with, like you said, that that your wife was actually in the room when that took place and how you went from there to tell your your sons and be able to to write this book and help us. You know, if we're going to change the culture, we have to change the conversation. So let's be aware of what is coming out of our mouth. How are we showing up representing Jesus and to watch um, and to be ready, like you said, in those stressful situations to know if I'm soaking in Jesus, then I'm hopefully going to show up and know how to respond in those situations. Absolutely. So with that, thank you, thank you for being on the show, and until... I appreciate so much for including me, and uh, we'll continue to pray that the Lord will bless your show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.
Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 